I didn't feel bigger than Terry, but he made me feel bigger than him. With the black eye, with everything, with gold mat on, just like, holy shit, what just happened? We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. It's your host, Ryan Warner, coming to you with a new episode. Today, it's Henry Cejudo. This is the full, uncut, raw version of the interview we did with Henry Cejudo back in November 2022 as part of our audio documentary, The Henry Cejudo Experiment. Excuse me, The Cejudo Experiment. This interview has never been released before in its entirety. It takes you all the way through Henry's career, and I can't wait for you to listen to it. If you haven't listened to our audio documentary, The Cejudo Experiment, check it out on the same feed you're listening to this episode. The Cejudo Experiment was our sixth or seventh audio doc and was one of the most listened to we've ever done. We're currently... I would say 70% through our next audio documentary that's going to come live this spring. It has a lot more of a historical flair. It deals with a couple of Iranians. It's going to be an awesome story. That'll be coming this spring. In the meantime, enjoy this episode with Henry Cejudo. Before we get to the episode, a quick thank you to our new partner, Beat the Streets National. Beat the Streets National is the umbrella organization for the different Beat the Streets chapters. We've entered into a multi-year partnership. I couldn't be more grateful and honored to be aligned with the Beat the Streets cause. I think everyone listening to this this can agree that there's no better organization out there than Beat the Streets. What they're doing, their mission, it's something we all wish we could have done more of, and I'm honored to be a partner of this organization. They're hosting, for those of you going to the national tournament in KC, Beat the Streets National is hosting a celebration of impact Go to Beat the Streets National's Twitter page to check it out. It's the Celebration of Impact taking place March 22nd in Kansas City. Purchase your tickets now. All proceeds go to help Beat the Streets National's. Again, go to Beat the Streets National's Twitter page. It's their pinned tweet. Check it out now. And without further ado, folks, let's give it up for the great Henry Sehudo. My name is Henry Cejudo. I am the 2008 Olympic gold medalist and two-division champion in the UFC. <laughs> and where'd you grow up, Henry? Um, I grew up, I was born in California. I was born in, uh, in South Central LA for that, for that matter. I'm, I'm one of seven kids. 
raised by a single mother. Uh, my dad, uh, that's crazy. It's ironic because I look just like my dad, man. That's like I'm a replica. I remember when, because uh, my dad ended up, a lot of people don't know this, but my dad ended up passing away a year before the Olympics. And one of his like druggy friends, the guys that, that he used to do drugs with, I remember he went inside uh, my aunt's house. He's like, hey, his, you know, his, his sons are here. He's like, there's, you know, so he was kind of curious just to see. And when he walked in the house, this was in 2007, literally a year before the Olympics, his like face just turned white. He's like, dude, I'm seeing, dude, Georgia's not gone. <laughs> and uh, so, so that being said, it's uh, one of seven kids raised by a single mother. Um, my life, um, has been an adventure, you know, from traveling from state to state, from city to city. Um, you know, my mom, a very, uh, traditional, very traditional, very prideful Mexican lady. Um, you know, um, kind of took, kind of, uh, my mom, my mom taught us and made us grow up at a very young age to say the least, like she wasn't, uh, we didn't have Disney channels. We never got uh, Christmas toys, you know, it, we, we, it, she, she was affectionate with us. She always showed us love, but there's always one thing that I, that I do thank my mom for is just a sense of humor, you know, of laughing, whether we have food on the table or the, or whether the AC goes out, there is always something to be grateful for and joyful for. And, uh, if you decided to be bitter, like we're going to pick on you. <laughs> I mean, it's like that. So it's like I'm one of seven kids. I mean, you would imagine, oh, I was a baby. He's like, no, not really. I was more like the guinea pig. You know, I was more of the guinea pig where I was the last one to, you know, I was the last one to be chosen. I was, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think uh, going through going through that or feeling that as a little kid, you know, obviously knowing that, you know, your your mom was born until the time I was eight. My little, when my sister was born, I no longer became the baby anymore. And uh, and I think that also molded me too. Because you know what I'm saying? Because, yeah, I'd, you know, I'd now, before I'd fight with with my brothers and sisters. And uh, next, you know, I go to mom and mom always had my back. But then once my little sister was born, I'm like, you know, stop crying. <laughs> so I think uh, as, as, a, as a little kid, as a little boy, I grew up, uh, I grew up extremely, extremely quick. You know, I was talking to, um, so going from, you know, the ghetto streets of South Central LA to living in the border towns of Las Cruces, New Mexico, it was, uh, you know, it was, you're a poor kid that doesn't know any better. You know, having to live from house to house, understanding why we got to leave within two to three months. Like to us, that was just normal. To us, it was normal jumping on a Greyhound. To us, it was normal as a family going on a city bus and, and, and X, Y, and Z. Like we didn't have a car until maybe I was, you know, my brother ended up getting one maybe when I was in like sixth grade or something. Like, you know, so when, whenever we did have family outings, it was, uh, yeah, you jump on the bus. We had to go to the mall. We jump on the bus as a family. We would go. You know, as a kid, I can honestly say there's a, I knew that I was different despite being poor, despite having a lot of things. Like I knew that there was something different with me. Like I knew that whatever it is that I desired and, 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 you know, that I, I had this, just this big imagination that, uh, that even me, I'm just like, man, I've been blessed with, you know, like I'll give you an example. I was, you know, 
I was, uh, if I wanted something, I'd find a way to get it, even if that meant stealing, you know, which my family, they, they never taught me that. None, none of my brothers and sisters did that. I knew it was wrong, but I remember I'd go to the local uh, pizza place right around my right around my house, too, and I would see, like, all these different toys and, and whatnot, and then I would see all these games. I'm just like, man, I can find a way to play these games. So slowly but surely, I would find little ways to play these games without any money. Or climbing up the whole damn fence and picking one of those. I was like, no, man, I am, I did, like, this is mine. Yeah, it was wrong. And it wasn't so much about the toe, but it was just more of like the desire that I had of, of obtaining that. That, hey, I'm going to get it despite or regardless of what may stand, or even morally. I was a little kid. And I'll actually never forget this story too. I was uh um I was about maybe seven years old. And we you know, grew, we grew up in apartments our whole lives. And uh this was on 35th and Osborne, probably the most rugged apartments, probably in all of Phoenix, like just roach infested, just the worst of the worst. And uh I remember I saw this commercial of these kids with the racetrack. And I remember I saw this this racetrack, and I remember thinking to myself, I'm going to find a way to get that racetrack. I'm going to find a way to get it. And, uh, you know, I lived upstairs, and I had a uh, my, uh, had a kid who was, uh, I think it was Manuel, who lived in the bottom of me. I'm just like, hey, man, did you see that commercial about the racetrack? He was like, yeah. I was like, hey, we're going to find a way to get that. And so I said, this is what we're going to end up doing. We're going to, you know, because we we're already street kids anyways. He said, we're going to throw, we're going to throw, uh, dirt on our faces we're gonna do all this and we're gonna go to the circle k on the corner which is literally across the street from from the, the apartment complex that we uh it'd be about maybe about 100 feet from where we lived and we're gonna go out there and we're gonna ask for money and sure enough yeah, yeah no, you know my, my mom and i don't find it uh I don't, I don't even know if she found out honestly so so this is what it was so this is what i'm talking about me trying to obtain something a seven-year-old boy i wanted that racetrack I went out there so for about a day and a half. I think maybe it was probably, it was pretty expensive back then. It was probably about 40 bucks. And I remember just throwing that, asking for money. Next thing you know, within a day and a half, man, we had, we accumulated all the money and I had the racetrack. We literally went, it's funny how it works. The commercial, the Circle K, like everything was just like, it was a triangle because the store was right there that had it. Uh, the Circle K was right here. And then my apartment complex was like right there. You know, so when I was, uh, so I remember getting the money, like we literally went over to the, to the toy store. We bought the, we bought the, uh, the racetrack. And then once I bought the racetrack, I played with it maybe for about maybe a good hour. And I'm just like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm done. He's like, hey man, hey Manuel, you can have it. He's like, he's like, what? He's like, yeah, man, you can have it, man. I'm not, I'm I'll find out. I don't have any toys at the house, so she'd be tripping out if she saw something like that. It was like, no, man, you can you can keep it, dude. So it was just like that, you know what I mean? It was just it was more me of of having the ability to uh, to obtain something, like you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, and and the reason why I bring that up because I almost feel like the same thing for you know in the sport of wrestling. So. I think at a at a at a very young age, there is a certain ambition to me. There is a certain callous to me. There's a certain way that I that I was raised that uh, that was different from from everybody else. 
And is know, it true, true you fought for like ice cream and stuff in the courtyard? Yeah, yeah. So, the, so, the, so yeah. So as a as a ten year old, yeah, t- also maybe about ten. Yeah, about ten years old. So we ended up moving to a bunch of different places. So this is another apartment complex. You know, it was just I was I was known as that little rebel kid. I ain't have that many friends because I was just too rough. Like you know what I'm saying? Like everybody knew me, but they're like, man, I don't know if I want to play with Henry. He's just he's he's too he's too much. And uh, I remember as a kid, a bunch of drunk Mexican guys would get together and they used to make us fight. Now, winner would uh, would receive a, a Mexican ice cream, una palata de chile, which uh, you know when you when you when you're when you're raised in Mexican neighborhoods, like there's no like you you don't even think you live in America. You know what I'm saying? Like if you don't speak Spanish, like you're like you're lost, like you don't belong there. So it's literally like you have guys in in, uh, in supermarket cars, you know, selling corn or uh, or whatever ice cream and those little things. So it was just like, just as I go back to Mexico, it reminds me of my neighborhood. It was like it was just like that, but in the sense where these guys would get together, like in a little courtyard where we lived, there and be like, "Hey guys, hey kids, you guys want to make you guys want to make some money?" He's like, "Yeah, you know, here they throw on these gloves." You know, let's fight. You know, you guys want to fight each other? Yeah, let's do it by weight class. Boom, boom, boom. Thanks, you know, man, I'm fighting dudes that are just completely bigger. And thanks, you know what? The gloves are coming off and we're literally sticking each other. Where these guys are drunk and they're just, uh, you know, making these kids tough. So we became a sort of entertainment for these guys. But at the same time, it, was, it wasn't so much uh, the ice cream that uh, the incentive. Yeah, yeah, I guess you could say it was maybe at that time, you know. But it was more of just that competitor, the fact that no, 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 let me let me enfist, let me uh, let me release some of this stuff that I that I have in me, and uh, man, my name was like already like boom, dude, this dude will fight anybody, anytime, anywhere. And then that's when I found the sport of wrestling. So I was uh, yeah, eleven. At, at that time, Angel started. Angel started wrestling first in sixth grade. I'll never forget it because he came up to me. He said, Henry. You know, you know they have wrestling because uh, we're big WW, WWF fans back in back in the you know back in the day. And I said, "Hey man, you know, uh, dude, they have wrestling at in junior high." And I was already thinking like, "Whoa, like a ring, the ropes, you know, tables, you know, you're you're a kid." He's like, "No, no, no, they have Olympic style wrestling," which, which to me I didn't understand first, but I'll never forget it because the first time I went to literally go see my brother Russell. Um, I was like, boom, it was like love at first sight. It was something that I knew that I wanted to do. It was something that I, uh, that I really, really is that I was just tripping out because of the principal, how the principal would, uh, would literally come up to the, you know, to the, to the students and, you know, shake their hand, give them a medal. I'm just like, what the hell? Like I was this kid, you know, I'm the kid, I'm the kid in the, in the, in the barrio fighting for, you know, for treats, like, what is this, man? Is this, uh, I mean, people are being rewarded. You know, I, I love the fact that it was a one-on-one competition and there's different teams and everybody was suited up with their gear. I'm just like, man, it made it super official to me. So I didn't even have to lace a pair of wrestling shoes to let you know that I was already in love with this thing. Like in love, like to the to the deepest way that you could that you could think of. Like I'm just like, no, this is what I'm gonna this is where I'm gonna become a champion at. But even prior to watching or starting wrestling, it was ninety six that really inspired me. And I believe I was nine years old. 
I was nine years old. We lived in a, a a trailer inside of a junkyard, and I remember watching Michael Johnson, you know, with his infamous gold shoes, uh, you know, shattered world record, the way he broke it. And uh, to me, that was a, a huge inspiration for me to see this African American man, you know, the way he embraced that American fly, watching him cry. To me, it was just like, man, this is uh, this is surreal. Like, I want to feel that. I want to feel what this man is feeling. Like, that's something that money can't buy. Yeah, you can. I can find a way to have a house or anything. Even as a kid, you think of that. But I want to recognize it. I want to know that feeling. And you know, so when I found wrestling, I was almost like, no, this is this is where I'm going to find that feeling. This is where I'm going to get that craving. This is where I'm going to stand. You know, whenever it is that I end up winning. So now. You know, started wrestling. I'll be quite honest with you, man. I was just a natural. I, I was literally just a natural since the beginning. I think I want to say that my record, my record when my first year was uh, was thirty and three, <laughs> and I beat the state champ. Uh, um, he ended up beating me. He ended up actually I lost to the same kid twice, I believe. But I ended up beating him. I actually beat him first. But he was able because of my experience. He was able to. I, I'll never forget him. The name, uh, the name by, by the name of Brian Trimmer. My first ever loss. And the other one was Carvajal. And or it might have been Carvajal or Brian Trimmer. But either way, both of these kids. You're the only two kids that beat me. You know, with with pretty much my first year wrestling. And I remember my first time like losing because I went through a whole streak where I was just winning. Just winning, winning, winning. I finally took my, I finally took my loss, and I was a kid that would play. Like after I was, cause I was a kid that would wrestle and we would take it serious. I was always by myself, like getting ready to compete. Like I wasn't a kid who, uh, who was uh, um, outside playing or eating certain things. Like I was so like in a Zen mode, like to myself. And I remember losing for the first time, like, you know, towards the end of, like, the season, which in freestyle, freestyle's pretty big in Arizona. We had a bunch of matches. And I remember losing, and I was just like, man, the kid that after you would get done wrestling, the kid that used to go out and play, and you know, jump on stuff or find ways to climb the roof or, you know, grab some of the track and field stuff and play, you know, with everybody outside. I was... uh <laughs> I was just outside. I remember sitting on the bench, and I was just like, like almost like I didn't deserve to uh, to play, or I didn't want to play. Like you know, what I mean, like it just hurt. Like I was just like disappointed in myself, you know, in in, in that sense. So the reason why I bring that up is because I I I think like the difference factor was that that I feel like it was something that was already instilled in me. It was something that was probably, like, it was already written, you know. Um, Angel and, said that when you, like, at practice, when you guys are starting to get a name, like, kids would come up to Angel and be like, yo, Angel, show me technique, and he'd show them, and they'd come up to you, and you'd be like, I'm still working. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I wasn't much, uh, I wasn't much of, a, of a giver in that sense. I wasn't, I ain't have that heart like Angel. I wasn't a teacher. I didn't want to teach. Like, you know, like, who am I? Or like, or, or just a, a, I guess a very selfish uh, mentality. You, you know, like it was, yeah, it, it was like that. Like it really, it was like pulling teeth for me to uh, show somebody something or, or to give my time to something if it wasn't for me.
you know. It it sounds nasty saying it, but it was it's the God honest truth, you know. And even as a kid, you know. So, man, I think that's I think those are the things that 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 really separated me. And I think now even you know not not having the ability or not competing or even retire like now. I feel like now it's like now I give back and I always give back. And that's all I do is give back, whether it's with my words or with my knowledge or technique. Somebody needs something like I'm there, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so by the time uh, so by the time I was in fifth, so I started wrestling in fifth grade. So by the time I was in eighth, I had already won Fargo. You know, I had already won uh, Fargo and I won a cadet, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Fila Cadets. I won Fila Cadets. I won. I won Fargo. I pretty pretty much I had won every every tournament, you know. And you know, by the time I remember, like when I really hit the corner was by the time I was in eighth grade. It was like I'm no longer like I really got to step it up a notch. And I remember waking up early, doing certain things before I would go to school. Um, you know, uh, from school I would go to the high school. But I would do my practice at junior high, and then I would jump over straight to high school, and I would train with the high school team there, which Maryville was a pretty uh, dominant team. They had like three state champs that year: Ernesto Gostelum, uh, John Moraga, my brother. And uh, you know, this is this is a neighborhood. This is a neighborhood school that uh, that nobody saw kind of coming. Like, hey, they're going to be producing state champs. So by the time I was in eighth grade, I feel like that's when I really made that turn. I'm just like, no, like it's uh, no more wasted time on top of how disciplined I already was. You know, I'm not saying I would because at the same time, I was a dentist, the menace from like fifth through seventh. But by the time I was eighth, I was like, no, now it's just strictly business. So by the time from so from eighth already to my sophomore year, I had taken the sport so serious to the point where I would ride the city bus from Maryville which is probably about a good maybe 30, 35 miles to Arizona State. to uh, And I would take literally take a bus for about two and a half hours, a city bus, to eventually get there to actually practice. I would literally take a 10-speed, you know, from from my high school all the way, you know, taking the taking the, the streets to be able to get to practice, you know, to wrestle with the college guys. You know, I was a uh, super, a super dedicated kid. I didn't care how I was dressed. I didn't care about anything but wrestling. And uh, and I think that's where, like, the call came. The call came to train with uh, Patricia Miranda. And this was for the 2004 uh, Olympics. You know, they, they had a chance to train with me. They were looking for, uh, they were looking for somebody to mimic the Japanese. You know, that was a low single guy. And uh, and at that time, my when I was in seventh grade, I was able to train with uh, with Townsend Saunders, which Ta- Townsend Saunders was an Olympic silver medalist, uh, in in uh, nineteen ninety six, and uh, you know he, you know he 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 coached us for a bit, or he had like my coach was uh, my co- uh, coach uh, coach Frank Steins. He wasn't like an ego guy, like if there's somebody that could teach you that knows more than me, like I'm gonna take you there. So he would literally put us on his pickup truck. And it was a bunch of us, you know, we were all like pretty much like stacked on top of each other. And we would go, we would go over there and we would learn so much from Townsend Saunders, from Layla. It's like actually really getting, you know, the cream of the crop technique, things that, things that our coach, you know, just, just the details that other people would give us. And, uh, 
And so that's kind of how the, the introduction started. He's like, no, this kid's the perfect size. He's got the perfect speed. He's probably, he's even faster than the Japanese. So they brought me in for Patricia Miranda and, uh, you know, we wrestled. And they, you know, they said, hey, uh, what do you think about coming out to, uh, to, you know, to Colorado Springs for, uh, you know, for some time to train with me? I'm just like, man, I would love to. I would love to go to Colorado Springs and uh, be amongst the best in the world to help you train. So I went out to Colorado Springs and it was uh, it was ironic because, uh, you know, I had a chance to see, you know, Sammy Hinton in the room, Stephen Abbas, guys that eventually in the future I would end up wrestling. Guys that I became friends before we became enemies, you know. Um you know, watching all those guys, but I, I, I took that advantage, that, that that passion, that desire, that will, that determination to be able to train, uh, to be able to train with not only with the with the women's freestyle, but uh, men's freestyle and men's Greco. I mean, I was literally stuck in the wrestling room all day. It got to the point where, uh, you know, they literally like called my coach in there, like, "Hey, man, is this kid? Uh, you know, what's he trying to prove?" Like, "No, you don't understand." This kid wants to. This kid wants to win so bad that he just he doesn't care. He doesn't care. And this was the first week. So then they saw it throughout the whole damn month. They wanted to take me home. Like I think there's like oh two weeks and then you go back home. I'm like no, nah, I don't need. I don't need to go back home. Just keep me here until you guys need me. I'm gonna. I'll go straight from here to Fargo. <laughs> I just didn't care, you know. And that's exactly what it was. That's exactly what ended up happening. You know, I ended up doing my. Uh, I believe it was a whole month or maybe even more. I stayed there. They saw my commitment. I ended up going to Junior Nationals. I ended up winning both styles in dominant fashion in Greco and in freestyle. Where I had to, where I had to beat the likes uh, like uh, uh, Franklin Gomez, Spencer Mango, like someone like him. And I'm talking about like round one and two. Like, you know what I mean? Like crazy. Yeah. So I ended up winning the whole thing. And, uh, you know, I came back, you know, you know, my family was happy. Everybody was happy. And then uh, it's crazy how it works because I remember leaving Colorado Springs and I remember leaving Colorado Springs. I remember leaving Colorado Springs sad. Like, I'll, I'll never forget it, like, being at the airport in Colorado Springs. And they got a beautiful uh, view of uh, of Pikes Peak. And it was kind of gloomy. And I remember just sitting there and just like, man, why does this feel like home more than my actual home? You know, why does this feel like home more than my actual home? And by the time I got back home, by the time I won Junior Nationals, like we got a we get a phone call like two weeks later. And uh they says, you know, we want Henry to become a resident athlete athlete at the Olympic Training Center. You know, we saw his commitment, we 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 know his situation, we know what he's willing to do. You know, can can this kid become an experiment for Team USA? Can we do something with this kid? So as soon as they asked me. I was like, when, where, and uh, what time? Because I, I want to go now. You know, the desire of wanting to meet a cafeteria of food. It was crazy to me to hear people complain. You know, people complain about Colorado. Oh, man, this place sucks. And I'm just like, man, you guys have free food, lodging. You can wrestle all day. The mats are literally about 100 feet from my, from where I'm staying. Like, man, you guys are like, I don't know what you guys are doing. Like, to me, it was like... To me, they're the crazy ones. So ended up moving out to Colorado Springs at the age of uh, 17, you know. Why do you call it an experiment? 
Uh, an experiment of saying is like I'm gonna be the because uh, my whole plan was to be there until I until I win gold. You know, the, the, I think their plan initially was to, you know, give me give me out there, give me to go to college. Uh, you know, see what they think. Like, uh, could, could we be able to get this kid uh, to a Division One because he's so good at wrestling? But I think once they saw me getting closer and closer, like, dude, this kid could legit make an Olympic team because I was already taking down Stephen Abbas as a you know, as a high school kid, I was already taking down Sandy Hinton and turning them. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So they're like, so next you know, like I wasn't wrestling these guys no more. With all due respect to them, because that's what I felt. You know, because by the time my senior year came, um, you know, neither one of them kind of came around, at least for me. And uh, what was it like working with Sergey early on? Ah, oh, with Sergey. Oh, Sergey was uh man. I, I love Sergey. Like it, it was like it was just a perfect storm with Sergey and Terry Brands, because Sergey brought in the technique. Sergey Sergey brought a lot of uh, just top control defensive, uh, on top and bottom, and man, I respected the crap out of him. You know, two time Olympic champ, like everything that I ever uh, aspired to be. Like I'm being coached by this guy. You know, and he really, uh, Sergey really took me and my brother, like, under his wing. Like, he had the resident program, but it wasn't even for the resident program. It was for us. And that's how I felt like. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Sergey is there for uh, for me and my brother, Angel. You know, but in particularly me. You know? I And, and when I heard Sergey say, and, and the, the, things like this meant the world to me. Because, you know, whenever it is that I tell somebody that, it, it, it gives me the goosebumps because he's like, no, he's like, he's like, Henry's going to be an Olympic champion. He's like, Henry's different. And I remember uh, a, a friend who's no longer a friend, he had, uh, he had asked Sergey about me and Angel. He's like, he's like, Angel's very talented, very, very talented. But he's like, Henry is, uh, Henry's talented and he's just a different breed. I'm not I'm not so sure about Angel, but Henry, Henry is uh he's gonna be Olympic champion. You know, when people tell you that, like it, it really hits home. It really hits home because it's uh it's an imagination and it's a dream that you really desire to manifest. And it's not an easy dream because there's silver, there's bronze, and then there's a participation uh ribbon. It I ain't want any of that. Like it's it's all or bust. So being in Colorado Springs for four years, training under the likes of him and then him eventually leaving and then having Terry Brands step in on, uh, on his behalf, I just felt like it was just a perfect storm. Because I, I felt like I had already learned so much, like Sergey step over, his crotch lift, um, um, you know, a lot of stuff that, that Sergey was teaching, we were actually doing. So Sergey fell in love with us. Like everything that I did at the New York AC and everything that my brother did at the US, at, at the, at the New York AC in 2005 was all Sergey. You know, it was all Sergey. And then when Terry Brands came in, that's her mind hand fighting. That's when they started, te- that's when the brute of, of training kind of came in. And I was young. I was, I was able to handle that stuff with the technique that I already took from one of the greatest Russians, if not the greatest Russian of all time, it was just a perfect storm. So by the time Terry came in, it was just like, I already knew who the brands were. I remember watching the season. I was just like, shit, man, I hope this dude likes me. 
<laughs> season know, was, was like, awesome, dude. I love the season. Yeah. On ESPN. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. got to redo that, man. That, uh, the season, the Iowa season is one of the best, uh, you'll probably, uh, any best document, wrestling documentary of all time. But that's the first time I saw that I, you know, I, I used to kind of, you know, dress a little different, you know, you know, kind of, you know, a little gangster like. And I remember I saw him and I had like my, uh, my, uh, I don't know what they're calling them. It's like a net. It's just to kind of keep your head down. But a lot of people were. I remember seeing him. I freaking snatched that thing off and put it in my pocket. And I just said, like, you know, because at that time, his, at that time, my room was here and he was literally stay, staying right next door to me. Like, literally right next door. Because I think they were trying to, uh, him and his wife, I believe, they were, or, or I think his whole family. Which uh, and this was this was back in oh four, and I'm just like, damn, dude, this dude's right next to me on top of that. I'm just like, you know what I mean? Like all respect. And then I remember going through his first practice, and out of everything, Sergey, because remember Sergey was very technical. He was very uh, technique wise. He was he was he was about you, uh, you know, having agility, having fun with some of the stuff that you're doing while developing the technique. And by the time we had that first practice with Terry, it was just like, shit. You're talking about the guy that trains here. I already started complaining after one practice. But to me, it was like, no, no, no. This is, this is, this is, this is perfect. Like, I, I want to be pushed. And that's one thing that I would always tell Terry. It's like, no, 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 Terry, push me, man. Push me, dude. Like, this is a body that, that, uh, that you can break and it'll regrow because I, I, I'm here to be the, the absolute best in the world. And sure enough, yeah, man, I, I've, uh, you know, I uh, saluted Terry Brands for what he's done, for how he was able to take the, you know, the resident program to what it was, to because by the time Terry Brands got there, like he pretty much wiped everybody from the from the red because nobody could hang, you know. So the guys that were there originally with Sergey, if Sergey was only for me and my brother, um, it was uh, it was just different. They, by the time Terry Brown's came, if you can't hang, man, get out. Like, if you're not committed, so by the time. So when Terry did come in, it was a whole other, within a year, it was a whole other team. So then you had Mo Wall, you had Sean Bunch, uh, Steve Marco, uh, Lee Fullhart, um, Bill Zadig, uh, God, Kendall Cross. Like people just started coming in. They just started flooding because they, Man, because it's something that Terry brought to Olympic training center. It's just like, hey, man, this is this is a full commitment, you know. And I was always the first one. To, I was always early to practice, and I was literally, I was literally the last one to always leave, you know. Literally the last one to always leave, dude. I would always put in about an hour and a half of work after everybody else was done. I was literally finishing when the Greco guys would literally finish their practice. And I was gone. I was stretching. I was, I was doing push-ups, pull-ups, and I would spend a lot of time, man, just stretching like my whole body, like every single day, every single day. And uh, sometimes they would even, sometimes even KJ, because sometimes they would cancel uh, a Greco practice, but they didn't have it. And literally, KJ would turn off the lights. And Russell, was like, hey, KJ, I'm still here. He was like, what? Are you still here, sir? Hold on. I'm like, yeah, KJ, I'm still here. I'm, I'm going to be here for another half hour. But you can turn off the lights, man. It's all good. Like, you know, I'm going to continue to keep uh, to keep working. But I will say this, man. I did have my hiccups. <laughs> and it was just one time, you know, finding love for the first time. You know, 
you know, had a girlfriend <laughs> who probably people uh, recognize, you know. Um, I don't know I should say her name. But uh, anyways, you know, at one point, at one point I did fall, you know, in love and, you know, kind of, once you fall in love, you almost kind of fall out of, I don't want to say you fall out of love of wrestling. Because my, because no, nothing was really above wrestling, even when I did have a, even, even when I did have my girlfriend. But you do decide that, you know, after I took second at Junior Worlds, man, and I was just like, man, I, just, I almost felt like I needed a, I just wanted a, I don't know what it was, like get out or not compete for some time. But I remember I competed, I competed uh, uh, at the Sunkiss. I ended up losing here at home, and I was just the biggest sore loser. I remember leaving everything behind, literally uh, uh, not coming back for my second match, like just leaving. And I think from there, I'm just like, hey, man, I'm getting out of here. So we just came up with the idea to travel to, for me to not tell anybody anything and just leave for a whole week to San Diego. <laughs> just leave for a whole week to San Diego. Dude, I was a kid, man. And the 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 crazy part about it is I, I didn't have an ID. So what I ended up saying, I ended up telling my brother, hey, let me borrow your ID. And then taking his ID and freaking pretty much jumping on the plane with his own ID. Just the stupidest things ever, dude. And uh, they didn't get caught. And I remember at one point, I said, hey, does that look like me? And she's like, no. And she still let me through. This was at the Denver airport. And, uh, yeah, man, so by the time I, man, this was maybe, I had already won the U.S. Open. So this was probably, I was still a kid, man. I was like maybe 18 or even 19. And I remember on that Monday trying to get back. And, and Terry Brown was like, hey, get out. Tell me when you're when you're truly committed, I want you in this room. But get out. As soon as he said get out, I'm not gonna fight this dude. Like I'm, I'm out of here. You know, I never for a whole week. He's like, hey, he's like, you're out of here for a month until you decide what is it that you want to do. And man, dude, that was the worst month of my life. Like talking about like putting that like having that uh resurrecting what 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 is lost. You know, feeling that inspiration, feeling the aspirations of of me wanting to be the best in the world, like uh, of keeping that dream alive. And man, I I I scram. I was standing by the damn doors. I don't know if he knows this, but I was standing just by the window, just watching these just these guys just train for days, like outside. It was a freaking. It was like a gel cell, a little thing that you you know you can maybe catch half the mat. But I would go in there just to watch. And uh, within a month, I was like, hey, Terry, you know, if you're going to be, uh, you know, I'm going to be, your, if you're going to be my general, man, I'm going to be your soldier. And I think from that, I think from that point on, man, it really, uh, it really took, uh, it really took everything to the next level. Because just the way I was raised by my mother, and just the way that I was raised by Frank Sines and Richard Fimbres, it, uh, it was a perfect storm because this dude wasn't taking, this dude was taking over an answer. You know, you say, hey, if this is what you want, then do it. But if you don't, you know, do what you got to do. If your goal is to really be the best in the world, an Olympic champion, there's a price that has to be paid. I'm not here to baby you. And people weren't happy with Terry at that time either. Like, hey, man, he's a kid. He's like, this is my resident program. You know what I mean? Like, fire me if you don't like what I've done. But I don't want to be responsible for somebody that says he wants to be the best in the world. And, and I'm giving them, you know, an outlet. And yeah, sure enough, man. I, I, I think I think it almost even sparked the fire even more so. And even though by the time I was, by the time 
I had uh, won the U.S. Open as a high schooler. And by the time I made my first uh, world team uh, as a, you know, uh, in 2007, which is a year out of high school, you know, that, actually I take that, well, not even just on top of that, but even my senior year in high school, made it all the way, all the way to the finals of the world team trials and lost to a super close one to Sammy Henson. You know what I'm saying? Like literally we went three periods the first match. He beat me at the end. Uh, you know, but legit taking him down. Sammy couldn't turn, got on top of me, couldn't turn me. Um, this is where I knew I was so, super, super close to uh, to being the best award. And even that year in 06, Sammy Henson ended up uh, taking a bronze medal at that uh, at, at at that world championship. So didn't make the team. Made the junior world team. Ended up uh, ended up uh, ended up making it to the finals. You know, I felt like I was going to be the best in the world, despite who it was. Ended up losing to. Uh, to uh to Orta Santana from from Russia in the finals. Man, I kinda got I kinda got spanked a little bit. Man, I remember just being so crushed. So I was like, I don't care who it is, I'd be in Kudukov. I'd be in a lot of these guys. You know? Next you know it, you know, fast forward at uh twenty twelve, this man ends up winning the Olympics. <laughs> I mean talk about talk about draws, man. Tell me about your first junior worlds in two thousand five. What did you know about Basic going into that? Uh, Basic, yeah, yeah. The first time I didn't know anything about Basic, but just by watching him compete and watching him wrestle, I'm just like, oh, I know I'm gonna, I know I'm gonna see this dude, like, like soon, like you know what I'm saying. I know I'm gonna see him in this tournament because he was just going out there. I remember the tight waist, the uh, uh, the trap arm gut that he had. I'm just like, oh shoot, man, this dude is uh. Just watching him and watching everybody else, like this Russian, he's probably favored to win this whole thing. So then I go through my matches. We ended up meeting each other in the semis. And uh, I knew how good I was. And I remember he, he, you know, he beat me. I, I, I want to say I took him down first. But he, uh, you know, he got me. He spanked me. And I remember just, I remember being so upset, man. Like just, just down on myself. You know what I mean? And then I ended up, and then in the semi, and then for the bronze medal match, I ended up losing to the Iranian, which was a match that uh, that I thought I was winning at the very end. The dude, that were just because at the, at that time the rules were so crazy. You know who was, you know who was winning, or you know the rest didn't really tell you. You just had to know, and I didn't know, and I could have scored, I didn't. And anyways, I ended up I ended up taking fifth. But I remember like that whole year of 2005 of just like, hey, I, I know who is it that I want to beat. And I know there's junior worlds coming up. But at the same time, I want to start making my jump to the senior circuit. So that's when I made my first jump to uh, to the Sunkiss Kids. This was in 05. And I had my first match. My first match was against Jason Powell, which uh, Jason Powell was, uh, was NCAA champ. I think he even teched in the finals when, when he won the NCAAs, I believe. So I had him him first match, and then I ended up beating him. So then I ended up going, I ended up making all the way to the semis. I was beating everybody. I was like, oh, man, this kid is, uh, he's coming. I ended up making all the way to the semis, and I remember losing to, a, I, remember, I ended up losing to a close one to Luke Eustace. So by the time I lost to him, I was like, man, this dude's on my hit list. Like I just started making a hit list of people who is it that I want to be. I ended up losing to Azevedo 2 in that tournament, so I ended up taking fifth. It was my first uh, 
uh, open tournament. Two months later, two two and a half months, three months later, I ended up going to uh, or it was, yeah, yeah, about two and a half months later, I ended up going to the New York AC, where again I saw uh, you know, all these guys are in my bracket. Next, you know it, Bisa Kudukov is there. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, man, I, I couldn't, you know what I'm saying? I kept telling my brother, I was like, dude, man, I want to get this dude. Like, dude, I'm so happy he's, uh, I'm so happy he's uh, he's in this bracket because I really want to test myself. And I, I know that the shake that I gave them at the Junior Worlds, that it wasn't, that it wasn't me. Yeah, sure enough, I think we met, it was in the semis. We ended up seeing each other again, this time in America, so... And I just put I just put a beat down on B sick, a clinic. Right. Low single dumb. Just scored scored on him like you just wouldn't believe to the point where I, I ended up teching him second period. You know? It got to the point where uh Bisick got so frustrated with me that he literally threw an uppercut at me. And actually like literally like legit like a legit uppercut. Boom, it hit me because he was so frustrated. You know, we gotta get Doc Benny, we gotta get Terry Brands to pull up that that uh that wrestling match. I know they have it. Man, if you can get all that stuff, that'd be so awesome. But, uh... Do you... I, I, I will. And if I, I get it, I'll send you, like, a file with all of them. Do you remember, like, the, uh... Like, the little fight that almost happened? Like, once this little scram happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, so that, that's, that's all on tape, too. So, by the time he hit me, like, I think we're... Like, the ref grabbed me. I forget what it was. And I remember seeing, like, the two Russian refs... Or the two Russian coaches kind of start to walk on the mat. And, uh, you know, um, um, it was just like, to me, it was just more like, I, I don't know if I heard Sergey. I think it was Terry. Was like, hey, like, hold your cool. Keep your cool. And, uh, you know, whenever Terry said something, I was like, huh? Okay. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I was just like, boom. It was like a, every, every time I did hear his voice, it was almost like a freeze, you know? And, uh, it was just a scuffle. I, I think, uh. I think something could have went down, but at the end of the day, he got the last lick. We ended up still wrestling after he uppercut me, and I ended up teching him, and uh, it just felt so good, shaking his hand, slapping his hand, not even shaking it, slapping it, and then going up to his coaches and then slapping both of their hands too. Like, hey, I'm I'm the real deal. Like, it's mine. And uh, that whole tournament, man, God, you got to get the finals too. Ah, oh, there's so much wrestling that I miss. Um, I remember in the finals, I ended up... Uh, so I made all over the finals, and I wrestled the, I want to say it was the, the Mongolian national team, or he, he had one, I don't know, I think he was a Mongolian national champ, or whatever he was. I ended up wrestling him in the finals, and I remember, I, I remember inside tripping him, and I remember at the end, like the last, uh, the, my very last goal of how I teched him is I ended up doing the crotch, uh, the crotch lift that Sergey taught us. And you can hear Sergey directly in that match. He's like, grab his head, grab his head, like, like dunk his head down. Before we got start to go crotch lift, I remember pushing his head down. I remember me digging for that crotch lift and literally throwing this dude for five off the crotch lift. Ended up teching my way through the whole, I think, I think I teched my way through the whole damn tournament. <laughs> As a high school senior. As a high school senior. Ended, I ended up winning OW. And I wrestled Jason Pollock, and I, I think I teched him. Uh, I want to say I teched him on that one. Uh, and then uh, who else? I went through a bunch of you, but I ended up beating everybody by tech fall. How long after until the U.S. Open happened? Were so, you won? Yeah, so then the U.S. Open took place in 2000. So that was in 2005. 
So then 2006, so then, uh, so then the U.S. Open was, uh, it's crazy. The, U- the U.S. Open was, yeah, so this was November, December, January. Yeah, hold on. My, my. Yeah, November, November of 05, April of 06. Yeah, so how many months is that? Six? Four? Uh, <laughs> November, December, January, February, March, April, five. Go to the U.S. Open. Oh, this is now in 2000. So now we're talking about 2006. I'm a senior in high school. I want to say, I'm, I forget what the seeds were. I was probably, I don't know, maybe I was probably seeded third. I forget what it was. But then I ended up, I ended up uh, having to wrestle uh, the two guys that ended up beating me. And the first one was uh, Luke Eustace. Uh, you know, um, NCAA finalist. I believe the only guy that I really beat him was Stephen Abbas. And uh, ended up seeing him in the semis, and I just I inside tripped him, just beat him, and then uh, in two, and then in the finals, I ended up getting Azevedo, the you know the the person who you know the person who was ranked number one who had beat me at the Sunkiss the same tournament, and uh, I ended up I ended up beating him, you know. So it was uh, it was an event. It was it was like to me like winning has always been beautiful, but revenge. It's just like uh, it's just priceless. You, you can't put a number on it. And uh, I knew I was going to beat him. Like I, I really did. I because I knew how close I was that 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 uh, that uh, that first time of how close it was. And I knew by the time that uh, that the U.S. Open came about that that we saw in the finals that I was going to beat him. And it was beautiful because uh, you know he was up. I think I believe he won the first or I won the first, and then I won the second, and then it came down to the third period. And I remember he scored on me. And I remember that just kind of lit a trigger. There's probably about a minute and a half left. I remember that really lit a trigger. Because I defended him the whole time. Like, he literally shot into my legs. He couldn't finish. And I was just, boom, straight sprawling, dunking his head. Like, if you think about it, as a high school kid, how the strength that I had, where a grown man that has been wrestling for the whole lives just couldn't couldn't take me down. All just just based on uh, on my defensive skills. And by the time he scored on me that third period, I remember going because I was known for the inside tricks. I had an inside trip, Luke Eustace, in the semis. So people are starting kind of catching on to like my stuff. And I remember faking the inside trip. I remember Azevedo literally like pulling back and stepping back. And I remember just throwing the lateral drop. And lateral, uh, I lateral dropped into the back. Like super technical, man. Like, like, like you know, just chaining things together. You know, winning the U.S. Open, you know, it was cool. It was the first, but at the same time, I knew that a Sammy Hinton wasn't there. Uh, uh, a Steven Abbas wasn't there. So to me, it's like, yeah, I won the U.S. Open, but dude, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to wrestle against the best. I want to know what it, I want to win the U.S. Open with, with Sammy or, or uh, Sammy Hinton or uh, Steven Abbas, like in my weight class. And I had a weight. And I had to wait for that. So then I ended up, you know, obviously wrestling Sammy Henson at the trials, you know, in, uh, what was it in, uh, yeah, Sioux Falls, Iowa, where we had a close match. The crazy thing is that this whole time you're still going to school. (laughs) And Doc was saying that that semester you had gotten approval to go to the Oregon and miss a bunch of school. Yeah. And like you were in danger of maybe not graduating. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. God, God bless her, but at Coronado, dude. It's crazy. What was your experience at Coronado? 
Um, it was, it, to me, it was all business. Like I, I didn't, I didn't have friends, man. I really didn't, but that wasn't because I was weird. That was just a choice that I had. I was there to go to school, uh, to get out and go straight to practice. You know, I didn't, uh, I didn't really talk. I, people really didn't know me. Like nobody did. Like I can't, I can't really tell you any memories I had in high school. I was so driven, so committed to the dream that, uh, I think that's what's. I think that's what really separated me from everybody else. You know, um, a commitment. Um, but I remember my senior year, though. Like, I remember my senior year, man. I remember getting a fight with the kid. You know, a kid. kid yeah, yeah. It's just a kid. Like, you know what I mean? Because I was, you know, I was a competitor, and people try to kind of test me a little bit. And I remember in high school being being tested by this kid who played lacrosse. And man, he was already kind of getting on my last nerves. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just, you know, you know, do scrimmages and things like that. And the dude's just like poking at you a little bit. And I remember telling, I remember going up to his fans, like, hey, man, you are so lucky, man, at the state tournaments this week. You wait, but you wait till that state tournament's done. And man, I remember uh, we were playing soccer or whatever the hell it was. We were playing like dodgeball or whatever, but he like faked. Like to trip me, like he wasn't even gonna trip, but he just the fact that he just pulled his leg out to trip me, and I remember saying, "Mother effer, I told you, rah!" I came up to him, started storming at him, like literally, like storming at him, freaking threw a combination to his face. Actually, I think I still have a, I still have the cut when I hit him with with that when I literally hit him, like I hit him in his mouth, and then I ended up. I know this is horrible. Brandon grabbing a double leg and like threw him on the ground. Like this is a big kid. And I'm just like, get up, get up. Like I'm gonna finish you. And this is and keep in mind, dude, this is in front of like this is like intramurals, but this is in front of like not just like this is in front of like the whole like half the damn school. Like, you know, this is kind of embarrassing. But when it came to that competitive edge, man, like, man, you're just not gonna pick up me, especially when it comes to sport. And I ended up uh I ended up beating him up and then I ended up getting uh, suspended for uh, for three days. What Hurtado say? Oh, uh, Dave Hurtado, he's just like, man, you can't do that, mijo. You can't just do that. It's like, Dave, I tried, man. I tried, dude. This dude was just, he was just picking on me for, for a couple of days now. Like, not picking on me, like bullying me, but just like getting on my, getting under my skin. I'll never let nobody bully me, but just getting my last... My absolutely last nerve to the point I'm just like, ah. So then I go over there and I start cussing up a storm in front of like, It's because of you I'm not going to be able to win my fourth state title. F, 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 F. So then, you know, so then I get to the principal's office. And, uh, and then I'm over here talking to the, uh, to the athletic director. He's like, hey, Henry, so did you hit him? I'm like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> He's complaining about his job. Like, I ain't hit him. He's like, no, you didn't? He's like, no, I ain't hit him. <laughs> and I think the school at that time at Cornell, I, they knew that that kid's been getting on everybody's, like, literally last nerves. Where people were teachers were kind of like, hey, dude, this dude has been a pest for a minute now. Like, a bunch of people kind of had my back. Like, they didn't know what was going on. And I just, well, if you didn't, if you didn't hit him, I mean, we're just going to have to get you per, uh, for, uh, you know, bad language for, per, for profanity. So I got suspended for like two days. On the third day, I was, I was out at the state tournament. And then the next day after that, I'm winning my fourth state title. <laughs> 
Oh, it was yeah. horrible. I probably should have went to jail for that one. What kind of attention were you getting from college coaches during this whole springtime when you're just on fire? Um, yeah, but um, everybody was everybody was recruiting me. Uh, I went out. I, so I had I had my visit to Arizona State, at Oklahoma, uh, Minnesota, uh, Tennessee, Chattanooga, Iowa State with with uh, with Cal. Um, man, I, none of that stuff. Like, dude, I was so dedicated to the dream that uh, like college wrestling didn't mean didn't mean anything to me. It really didn't. Like, college wrestling was uh, what is college wrestling to me? Like, if I'm not if I'm not the best in the world, like. To me, I'm a fan now, which is ironic. Like before, I was just like, no, like no, I want to be the best in the world. And all that changed, and I went to Eureka my senior year, my senior year in high school when they brought me out there, and uh, and I wrestled in Eureka. That's when I had to wrestle Kudukov. I wrestled Kudukov again. I feel like the Russians particularly did that. They put us first first match. I went out. I went out there. I saw Abdullah, who was an Olympic champ. I saw uh, the returning world champ. Was uh, which was a Radosov Velikov. They all got put out like within the first two to three. I'm like, holy sh! Like this tournament, what? I was like, dude, these dudes got put out. Velikov did. Velikov did. Yeah, yeah. Velikov did. Uh, Kudukov did. Um, I think I want to say Kudukov ended up taking bronze. He uh, Orta Satanov ended up winning it. That dude was so dope. Yeah. Oh, so good. Doc bro. said when you guys were on this trip, Damian Hans just writing you about going to Minnesota. And yeah. finally, you look at him at Snap, and you go, dude, I'm being NCAA dudes now. Why would I do that? <laughs> God, man, dude. Uh, no, man, it was... You remember that? Yeah, yeah. But I was like that with everybody. Like, you know what I mean? I had a swagger to me where just like, I'm going to speak what I feel. And I meant that. Like, no, like, no. Whether it's, well, why, whether it's even Arizona State. Like, in my heart, Deep down in my heart, I, I didn't want to I didn't want to leave the Olympic Training Center. Like I knew I knew how close I was to the dream. You know, I knew how close I was to it because I was already competing with these guys. And I know the chemistry and the relationship that I already had with Terry Brown. I'm just like, man, it felt right. You know, it felt it felt very, very right. Where I'm not gonna be just another I'm so I'm not gonna be just another head, you know, with you know, around thirty different guys. And after you come back from, so fast forwarding to when you got, you got kicked out for a month, you come back, you know, at this time you go, you, you call this like Terry brainwashing you where like you guys are training so hard, you're back, you're focused. And like, he would just call you in the middle of the night <laughs> and like he would be a world champ. And hang yeah. Yeah. Dude, Terry, crazy Terry. man. What was your guys' bond like after you came back from that month long suspension? Oh, uh, it was good, but it was more of a, it was more of a bond of work. Like, it wasn't like, you know, let's go drink some tea together. So I think I think something that I think uh, Terry always appreciated, like, my sense of humor, you know? Like, nobody would really kind of crack jokes in front of Terry or, you know, pick on something or X, Y, and Z, you know? So getting a chance to go on trips with them. <laughs> but it was respect, you know what I'm saying? Like, I've always, like, I wasn't a guy that I never overstepped my boundaries with Terry, you know? And I'm just, uh, you know, our relation, it was just because Terry would talk about him not becoming an Olympic gold medalist a lot, which, which always hurt. And it hurt, it hurt for me to hear it from him. 
And with all due respect to him, because I've seen, I know everything about Terry. You know, him winning Worlds in 93 and in 95. You know, being favored to win the Olympic gold medal if he did make the team in 96. To seeing that heartbreak that he had. He would come up with those stories. And next you know it, you know, Kendall Cross comes in trying to make a comeback. And then Terry's coaching him. And I'm just like, dude, this is like, this is like a soap opera. You know what I'm saying? Where I had a, a, a chance to be trained by the guy who, you know, who inspired me to not be an, uh, 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 an Olympic bronze medalist, to be a gold medalist, to be able to train with the Olympic gold medalist, a guy who beat him. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it was almost like I took, I took that stuff to heart, whether it was with Kendall or, 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 with, uh, or, with, or with Terry Brands, you know, because when Terry would talk about it, and I don't know if he brings it up that much, but when he and nobody would ever ask him or bring it up. Cause I mean, I think we've all saw Terry crawling off that damn mat. You know, the pain, dude. The you know what I'm saying? Like it's like What would he say when he talked about it? Um, you know, you 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 know, you don't wanna be uh uh I think he I think he would I think for the most part he would just share his sorrows. Uh I think sometimes like Terry wouldn't I don't want to put words in his mouth, but it's almost like uh, disappointed in himself, you know, and I, I never wanted to live with that chip on my shoulder, you know, like mm-hmm. as much as for a lot of people, you know, how, how great it is to maybe win a silver or a bronze and you see all these other sports, but in wrestling, it's particularly for him. On how he was raised, you know, everything they do for God, family, country. It was, uh, <laughs> you know, it was just, you just could feel that pain. That pain was kind of vibrant on top of him being a world champ. So it was, it was ironic because on how it kind of, how the whole story kind of meshed together, you know, of me ended up making an Olympic team. Um, you know, and, and, and these are things that I, these are things that I'll never forget because, you know, we can actually rewind it back even a little more so than that. You know, making making the world team in uh, making the world team in 07. And I think in 07, dude, I felt like the most prepared the same the same year that my that my, you know, my father passed away. And I've never felt so prepared and so strong and like so mentally and physically like, well, this is an 07. Stronger than 08? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I mean, I've never been asked that question. Jesus, I felt so prepared, so good. Like I am ready to become a world champion. Like this, like there's nobody that's gonna beat me in the world. Like sincerely, not just believing it, but like literally, like feeling it. And Baku of 2007, Azerbaijan, I get out there. You know, drew the and for some reason I knew that there was just like this premonition that I was gonna draw Iran. Yeah, out of of forty guys in my damn weight class, like I felt like I was gonna draw Iran. Like before the like when I when I I, I don't know if it was before or after, but I knew that I was gonna wrestle Iran first match. Like just this premonition, dude. And sure enough, ended up happening. Prepared. I remember once I got on the mat, I even freaking scrammed. Like I even did like one of these. Like, ah! I remember, like, just kind of, like, you know, pumping my, like, you know, juicing up, like, my body. Cause I'm like, no, no, this is, this is mine. Going out there, didn't even score that point, man. 
Ended up getting shut out. Ended up getting tacked in the second period. Trained my whole damn life for a moment like this. And uh, didn't even score a point. Man, that was, that was like, ugh. That was such a heartache. That was just like, man, I did, I did everything. I felt like I did everything right. You know, I felt like I did everything right. And nothing, and nothing. And I remember, and I go back to when I was a little kid of watching the, I was, I was in fifth grade, my first year wrestling. I remember my coach let us borrow uh, a DV, uh, tape, a tape of, uh, of Zeke Jones. And in that tape, it shows Zeke Jones wrestling Valentin Giordano. And this was, this was in 1990, this was in 1991 and, and Sofia, Bulgaria. And I remember as a fifth grade kid, when I saw this, I'm like, man, you know what I mean? Becoming a world champion, like this is like, it was even, it was probably even greater than me watching the Michael Johnson thing in, at the Olympics, because this is the sport that I'm now officially doing. And I wanted to, again, selfishly, I wanted to feel what Zeke Jones was feeling. And no, I went out there, didn't score a point, got shut out, got tacked in the second period. And I remember just being crushed. Being in, uh, being in Baku, Azerbaijan, just watching everybody just compete. And then watching Kudukov dominate himself to the, to, to the world championship. Like literally killing everybody in 07. And I'm just like, man, I know where I'm at. I beat this guy before. I've not only have I beat him, but I literally like, you know, I toyed with him in that sense when I did beat him. And now, and and ironically, and and ironically, like like the like the inspiration of me becoming Olympic champion, or yeah, I was hurt, like of me doing like doing trying to do everything right, like it, it still never wavered. Because that whole year of 2007, I couldn't, I was going to tournaments and just going one and out. You know, I went, I went to, uh, or, you know, a one and one, like just ridiculous. I mean, I'm training with the best, I'm learning from the best and I'm just losing. You know what I mean? I'm just losing. And that whole year, I even go to the 2008 U.S. Open. I made it all the way to the finals. And if I was to win the uh the final at the US Open I was gonna sit out the Olympic trials. I ended up getting pinned by Azevedo, a guy who I already beat. You know? What were you thinking after that? Um I was just um I was just uh like to me nothing really mattered, but there was two tournaments that even the world champions, as much as I wanted to be a world champion, even that wasn't didn't matter to me. As much as I want to be a world champion, I wanna say it didn't matter to me, but that wasn't the overall goal. The overall goal was two tournaments. I win the Olympic trials, and then I win the Olympic games. So now I get second at the uh, I get second at the U.S. Open. I was seated number one. I was favored to to, to beat the guy who I already been on three other occasions that we that we competed and wrestled. I ended up getting pinned by him in the finals, and then. Uh, and then obviously there was a comeback with Stephen Abbas, and the comeback with Stephen Abbas was uh, was huge. You know, it was to me because Stephen Abbas was the guy that I I don't want to necessarily say I idled, but the guy I'm just like man, just talk about uh, you know poetry in motion. You know, the guy that was just so swift. I remember going and staying an extra couple of days to uh, to watch Stephen Abbas and Sammy Henson wrestle. 
And I remember when I watched Stephen Adams, I was like, man, I want to wrestle just like this dude. You know, his, uh, his inside single and all that. So by the time that stuff came around, it was almost like in my heart, even in 07, I'm just like, I'm going to, even in 2004, I'm like, someday I'm going to wrestle this dude. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, when your heart gets pumping, like I, I even wanted like to get to know him, even get his autograph, but I just, uh, I just couldn't, you know, because I was almost like intimidated by it, by him. You know, I was a sophomore in high school at that time. I had, you know, because we had the tournament. I want to say it was Fila Cadet, Fila Cadet or Western Regions, whatever the tournament was. I remember sticking around. I remember watching him. And uh, as I was getting closer and I was, as I started getting better and I started wrestling and takedowns kind of came, I'm just like, this is a guy who I'm going to have to beat to make the Olympic team. So now I win. I take second. I take second at the U.S. Open. And oh, hey, if I would have won, I would have sat out. Stephen Abbas is making this comeback. You know, next you know, like that dream that I was talking about, you know, pretty much kind of came alive. I ended up, uh, you know, we both ended up, I ended up wrestling uh, uh, Danny Felix and Grant Nakamura uh, and then somebody else to make it to the finals. And then he ended up beating Nick Simmons and Azevedo. And then we ended up crossing paths to the finals. I mean, the guy that I pretty much idolize, if you want to say, the guy that I'm just like, okay, this is a guy that I knew in 04 I probably had to beat to make an Olympic team, you know, a kid, a sophomore out of high school. And yeah, sure enough, man, uh, make it to the finals, wrestling Stephen Abbas. Um, you know, I had picked up, I have, I had studied Stephen Abbas so much that I was at, that I actually hit him with his own shot, which is a swing single, which is you club with the right you know, come come inside with the inside hand to eventually kind of you know catch angle to eventually take him down. So it was a, it was an epic match. I think uh, I think Stephen Abbas probably didn't like me, but I think deep down inside, like he respected me. Like he knew how he knew the hard work that I put in. And uh, to me, it's one of the best trilogies in Olympic trial history. You know, wrestling him that first match, I ended up beating him. Um, I remember Steven was trying to show off or whatever, kind of taunting his leg out there that first match. And then I, and then when I was beating, I know the time was kind of running. Now I kind of put my leg out there, like doing the same thing. And then I was motivated. Uh, Terry was in my corner. Terry, Terry was on me, dude. Like, hey, you know, this is, this is what it is. This is what we work for, stud. This is what we work for, horse. And uh, go back that second match. And uh, that second match, like I felt like the investment in that second match is going to be me just creating wrestling, trying to beat him up, like condition him, uh, which was a wrong game plan because I was just out there just to pretty much just like beat him up, push him, pull him, create scrambles or whatever. But I also feel like he ended up winning that match. But I also feel like in that third match that I ended up coming, he ended up winning the second. And he, he got me pretty good. So then that second, I had to make that adjustment. How to make that adjustment of that of that first match and a little bit of that second, you know, and 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 uh, and in that third match, dude, like Stephen was taking timeouts, he was doing X, Y, and Z. I want to say he even won the first period, but the key for me to beat Stephen Abel is to make him wrestle, make him for every point that he wants to score, he's gonna earn it. So I want to say that first period. This is when he had the older rules, and which the older rules were so much harder to win. There's no room for error, man. 
And uh, that first that first period, and it he did everything to get my leg up there. All that stretching that I was doing at the Olympic training center was KG was turning off the damn lights. You know, kind of kind of paid dividends because even though he did get the takedown, like he struggled, like he really worked for it. And then that second period, I uh, you know I just put the heat, and I was like, no, I got to score. I got to go in. I got to just I I have to find different ways to score, like. Like, I have to take risks. I ended up winning the second period. And by the time the third period hit, he was already, uh, I felt like he was already on skates. Like, it doesn't matter how many timeouts you could do. Like, you're just, uh, I was I was just barely getting started. Like, you know, if I had to go out there and score multiple points, then, then that's what I had to do. And that's exactly what I ended up doing. Making the Olympic team. Beating my idol, being the guy who who also kind of the chip on his shoulder from winning uh, an Olympic silver medal, going for gold this time, making the Olympic team. Where I, which I know at that time, you had, there's a lot of people that I know weren't super happy because I don't know if they had necessarily all that faith in me. You know, from the two from the 2007 Worlds. You know, when you don't score a point, maybe you're not in this league, kid. Maybe you're not as good as we thought you were. Make the Olympic team. My brother Angel ends up picking me up. We'll never forget it. Uh, Terry Brand shakes my hand. He's like, he like slaps it. He's like, yes. Now you know, making the Olympic team. And uh, to, to me, at that time, was like the most special time of my life. Now that I, you know, now that I'd be Stephen Adams, but I made the Olympic team. I'll never forget it because this is where Terry Brands, man. This is where I'm grateful for him. Oh. And I remember going up to Terry, and I'm just like, Terry. <laughs> and I remember going up to Terry and saying, hey, Terry, Terry, we did it. And I go over to shake his hand like this. Like, you know, I got my flowers, my bouquet, and all that. He looks at me, he's like, what do you mean we did it? Bah! He freaking slaps me, dude. And then he slaps me again. And I just kind of just stood there and just, like, looked at him. And he's like, listen, he's like, being an Olympian, you're only a qualifier. He's like, that's not the goal, stud. I think he probably hits me again. And he just walks off. And I'm just like, shit. I'm just like, man, I had just made, I just recently, like, minutes for making an Olympic team. Or not minutes, maybe about an hour after making the team and then the parade of champions, which is beautiful. You know, I had decided to go that route, but it was, it was, it was the best thing anybody could probably have told me even at that time. Because by the time I made the, the Olympic team, like to me, the Olympics was a business trip. It's what school has always been. It was a business trip. It was what the Olympic training center was. It was a business trip. Like the Olympics was no different. Like it was a business trip. And before I went to Olympics, I remember going. Uh, I remember going to Olympic Training Center, and I remember just to remind myself, what is it that I? Why is it that I want to become Olympic champion? I remember doing the actual tour with the people, with the people in the and the, the actual facility. Uh, you know how they take people around and go see the swimming. The, you know, you, first you go and you watch the the video of all these Olympic champions, and I remember sitting sitting in that sitting in that auditorium in that theater. And then uh, this this was like days before I went to went to Beijing to the Olympics and just sitting there. And I did the whole damn tour and watching the Olympics, watching that inspirational video, watching Michael Johnson, everything that's inspired. Just like, man, I'm next, you know, seeing highlights of Roland Gardner because he was on that highlight reel. 
and then going through the tours and then reminding myself like, hey, this is uh, this is real, man. Like keep keep that inspiration. Like, you know, it's not just about being an Olympian. It's about being an Olympic champion. So, make the Olympic team. And I'm I'm now now I'm Beijing. You know, it's uh, it's Daniel Cormier, Andy Rovat, uh, Mike Zadek, Steve Mako, uh, uh, Ben Askren. I mean this. I mean this is this is the Olympic team here. And uh, to me, it was uh, to me it was all uh, all a business trip. But I, at one point, I never really felt this. Uh, I never really felt this feeling before. Out of all my years wrestling, which was hard, it hit me like it hit me so hard because like my mind was like playing games with me. But to the point where it was almost like real, like run away, like within two weeks, this all this stuff is over. Like, you know, and I remember at the Olympics being and kind of feeling that way. Run away? What do you mean? Like, run away, like, just leave, like, don't show up for weigh-ins, like, just run away. Like, just leave the Olympic Games and just whatever, dude. And I remember being at the Olympics, and and these these things are so, so real. Like, these were, like, this wasn't, like, just, like, it was a real feeling that, that, that I'm just like, man, where is this coming from? Like, where is this coming from? Like, I am here... I am literally about a week away from, you know, accomplishing my dream. And why is this shit going on like now? Like why, like, like why, why? And it, and it was hard. It was like real. And it's partially why I, I struggled even making weight uh, in at that Olympics. It was, it was bad. I, I literally had about the worst weight cut, like literally of my life. Like even, even, even till today. Uh, but my, the the worst man. I remember being like eight or uh, I'm sorry, ten pounds. Or it was either nine pounds or ten pounds. I was literally over with my tongue already being like white and dehydrated, and I had X amount of hours to literally make the weight. So I don't know if this like running away stuff was like messing with me, or I was just like trying to find maybe a little bit of of, uh, or maybe I drank a little too much powder that they had at the Beijing uh, Olympics. Like it was just a mixture of a lot of things of things kind of trying to play with me. Why do you think you were feeling that? I don't know. I, 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 to this day, I really don't know. I really, it's hard for me to pinpoint why this stuff was going on. You know, I don't know if it was, I don't know if it's what happened in 07 of me not making it or of me not want to feel that hurt once again. Cause I will tell you the reason why I won the Olympics was not, was not so much a desire of, obviously it was a desire of winning, but it was more of not feeling that pain of, of losing, not feeling that pain again. Like the motivation, the motivation became different. It was more of not feeling that hurt that I did all of this and I did everything right, which I know I did. And then, boom, you received this. Once I had already made my decision, once I remember I had already made my decision, like even, even before I had, even before I had won the Olympics, that, uh, that that was my last tournament. That I was done. That I was done wrestling, like legit, like I knew it. But it was the attitude of me knowing that I'm gonna be done with wrestling. That's gonna that I'm gonna give everything that I have. I'm gonna give every ounce that I have. If you're gonna beat me, you're gonna have to kill me. Like you know, like to to that to that attitude and to that extent. So even in 08, 
uh, I ended up drawing because in 2007, I ended up, uh, I, it was the, the tournament at Kiev. Is it Kiev or Kiev? I never know. Yeah. The one <laughs> Ukraine wrestled Sedimov and Velikov. Yeah. 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 So I had wrestled Velikov and Sedimov. Both of those guys who have entered at the Olympic Games and both of those guys who had beat me and both of those guys are on the same side of the bracket which I'm competing at. And guess who ended up drawing first match? I ended up drawing uh, Radoslav Velikov first match. The returning, the 2006 world champ who, who I don't think nobody's really put a beat that on me like him when I wrestled him in Ukraine. He just controlled me. He pulled me. It was almost like an amateur versus a pro. And I ended up drawing him first match from that weight cut of how I felt like my leg my leg I have never felt shock through my legs like literally like shock and I felt that that whole match dude that whole match that I felt it but there's there's something saying that I am not leaving here without an Olympic gold medal I am you are not gonna beat me not today man you can beat me any other day but not today and uh Ended up beating, ended up beating Velikov. I was down by behind. I remember at one point he had my leg up in the air. And I ended up literally like, literally like some acrobatic stuff. Like literally like twisting, like taking the chance and just turning my hips. And eventually getting the take that and eventually turning him to eventually win the second period. And then third period came around and I just, I just started putting the hands. I just started really just working. It's like, no, now I got to. And I could feel my body throughout because I was like my that's that's one match that I really had to dig deep to win with like physically not feeling good, like physically like literally like feeling shock, but at the same time I almost feel like in Beijing, I just don't feel like people in Beijing were really like, like I feel like people in Beijing had a really hard time with the weight, you know I don't know what it was about it but I, I imagine Velikov probably did too. Well, your brother said the night before. <clears throat> You had a, a good weight cut and were just drinking more and drinking more and drinking more. And the not two nights before. And then it's Monday. It's the weight cut day. And you get on the scale and you're like 10 over. Yeah. Well, like I couldn't honestly, I couldn't sleep. And by the time I was, I don't know if I was hallucinating, but drinking water. By the time I was done with all that water, dude, I was like, oh, shit. By the time I stepped on the sky, I'm just like, damn. I'm already like, dude, Terry's about to put me through some hell, dude. He's about to put me through some hell. And I'm just like, I just, you know, suck it up and you just go and you do it. And you just said you were on it for like two hours, take everything off and you're still a pound over. And that's when you had to put the bike in the sauna. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was naked too at one point. I was so, it was so bad. Even Doc Bennett was there. Godly, my brother was like, man, I, you know, I've never felt sorry for somebody like I fought with you. I, I went through the most extreme weight cut. And, and again, my fault. Like, I, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I've, I've always been a guy that's always been in shape. I always did everything right. But for some reason, that day was just kind of off. It was just weird. You know, that I was more invested. Like, okay, if I'm going to cut weight, I want to feel good. But I had no idea that I was going to retain all that water. I figured I'd probably lose at least a couple to a few pounds. Nothing left me. <laughs> Terry said that night, you're after you make weight, you're at Angel's Hotel, which is different from the village, and you want to stay the night there. And this lady at the front desk is like, no, he can't stay here. He has to go back to the village. And Terry, like, sneaks you into the stairwell, and you end up staying with Angel the night before the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, I, golly, it's been such a long time. But, yeah. 
I remember I slept like a baby that night. I slept like a baby. But it was that. It was uh I'm gonna I'm gonna I think I think it was, it was it was that attitude that really changed everything. Like I'm gonna wrestle like it's my last day on earth. Like literally, like because this this was it. This was literally it for me. Why did, but, why was it your last tournament? You think? I I think by that time it was it was a love and hate. Oh, that's the first time that I felt maybe hate for wrestling. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was literally like no, like I don't, I don't I don't want this no more. After everything that I've done after these after these at this event, like it's all. Do I want to do that again? You know what I mean? Do I want to? You know, I've, I've always been a curious person. I've always been a conqueror of trying new things or getting to know myself a little bit better. So, Angel said you had no social life before, like the Olympics. No, no, I was a social person, but I had no social life. That makes sense. Like you know what I mean? Like I could talk to anybody anywhere, mm-hmm. but I just didn't. I didn't. It was the, the my wrestling room. Uh, Brands, maybe the closest guy. I'd probably tie. He was my coach. So I don't know if that. I don't even know if that counts. <laughs> it's his job. <laughs> nope. And uh, yeah, so to just to get back to that, uh, to get back to the Olympics. So I ended up making, and, and a lot of these guys that I even saw at the Olympic Games too is like uh, Mansurov, who I remember watching him in two thousand three won the worlds. He was in my weight class. Uh Abdul no no Abdul Ab didn't make the team that uh that year. It was Sebdimov. But uh, you know, a lot of the guys that I grew up kind of watching was like, dude, these these are these are all the guys that are in my same damn weight. Now I'm now I'm getting a chance to compete in the same damn tournament as these guys. So then I ended up I ended up beating Velikov in that uh in that first match, which was like a super, super hard match. Uh, second match, I ended up uh, wrestling uh, the Georgian. Uh, I, I forget his name, Tushisvili, or, uh, and I was losing. I was behind on that match to come from behind and up beating him. Uh, in the semis, I had a Sedimov, the same guy who had beat me in Ukraine, him and Velikov in the same tournament. Now I get a chance to get my rematch. Same thing, uh, losing to him, come come back from behind, ended up beating him. And then the rest I'll never forget because now I'm at the, now I've made, and you can probably see this on video too. I remember uh, beating Sedimov in the finals. I remember I told you uh, Terry Banner slapped me. I remember like literally celebrating the semis. Ah, you can see me. And then you can see Terry Brand says, you have one more. You have one more. Like checking me again. Like it wasn't over, dude. I was just like, Jesus. And I'm just like, okay. You know what I mean? Like I, I yeah, ah, dude. All right, all right. I can't celebrate not yet because it was a hard-fought uh, wrestling match. How'd that match go? Uh, it was. It went three periods. Like uh, from my first match to my semifinals match, they all went three periods. Like anybody, uh, anybody could have ended up winning, but it was just the tenacity and everything that I ended up coming from behind and ended up beating uh, Sebdimov. Like by the time the third period came, I was just shining. And I'll never forget this because I remember going going back to the hotel, going back to the hotel, and I remember feeling uh, I remember feeling like scared for the first time. I remember literally feeling scared for like for the first time in like in my life, man. Honestly, like to compete. So I'm just like, man, from having all these crazy thoughts of running away, of 
of all that. Like, it, like everything's going to come down to this. Everything's going to come down to this match right here. Like my dream, like everything that I've inspired, the daydreaming, the times that I was in classroom and thinking about winning an Olympic gold medal, waking up, uh, seeing the Olympic rings every time I would leave pretty much my home, the Olympic training center, coming in and out of always seeing that, you know, seeing the torch and things of that nature. <sighs> I couldn't sleep. Um, if Terry had his Bible there, tried reading the Bible, couldn't do anything to kind of put me to sleep, nothing. And it felt like eternity. But by the time, uh, by the time we got out, by the time we got up, I'm sorry. By the time it was like, hey, it's time to go, man. It's go time. Now we went to back to Terry's room. I want to see who was Steve Silver. Uh, and then Steve Silver ended up picking up, which Steve, uh, Steve Silver was our manager. And he ended up uh, taking, uh, he ended up having his driver. He had a, you know, Uncle Steve. It was me. I think it was it was uh, Terry, myself, and I believe Steve Silver. It's like little uh, Lincoln, black Lincoln, you know, little little short limo. And uh, what are you feeling in the limo on the way to the tournament? Oh, it wasn't a limo, but it was, you know what I'm saying? Like those, yeah. those, ex just a town little, car. Yeah, town car. Yeah. Exactly. No, I'm just like, I'm, I can't believe it. Like, you know what I mean? Now I'm going to the tournament. But, and then I remember like right before I, right before I go in to go all uh, to compete, I happen to bump into my family. Yeah. Like literally right before I said that I go compete, you know what I mean? Like an hour. And uh, I want to say I hug all of them, but I, I, I still kept that business. I just, you know, kind of like, you know what I mean? Cause it was still business on with Terry too. You know, Terry was like, Hey, one more. I think I want to get yelled again. And uh, by the time I got to the arena, I have never felt so relaxed, ever. Like it was something, it was something like literally like supernatural, where I'm just like, man, I've been here before. All those times that I dreamt, all those times that I, uh, all those sacrifices, like everything, like every, everything that I've ever thought is happening right now. And it felt even more real. In my actual dream. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because it was, but you know, it felt even more real, which is which is crazy because you know, you you figure you dream of something, it's like, man, will that happen? It's like, no, it's happening. Felt super relaxed, you know, going up there, you know. I, I think I think I was a uh I was yeah, it's just super relaxed and super like ready. Uh, and I'll, I'll never forget it because it was me and the Japanese and you know, Terry and myself. And then me and uh, and then uh, and the Japanese and and his coach, he, which which was Wada, which is Wada was uh, I knew who his coach was, you know, and a big fan of his wrestling. You remember what Terry said to you on the stage? Because you look at the video, he looks over to you. And the uh, here, check this out. Oh man, he's just ah. <laughs> you gotta get it. No volume. It's just a. Uh, you mean business there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's just going over like the areas of uh, <laughs> the areas of concentration there. You know, hands and feet. You know, down block. You know, I think he's just giving me like like those technical advices. You know. You know, oh man, this, it, it doesn't get higher than this, man. The level of competition.
you know. So, yeah, there's water. Yeah. Sergey actually coached him too, which is ironic. I don't know if you knew that. No. So the same guy that coached me ended up coaching him. Really? So now the guy that the guy that Sergey coached is coaching the guy in the finals that which Sergey had the ability, you know, had had the time to coach me. Wow. It's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. What um Yeah, they, oh, he loves Sergey too. Yeah, because he was the coach for Japan in two thousand or ninety six. I can't remember. Yeah, and that was that was it. I felt good. I felt relaxed. And even in this match, like my style completely changed. You know, I wasn't about to like because all the first three of the matches that I had at the Olympics, I was really like fighting for everything. With this one, if you notice, like my stats was higher, my down my down blocking skills, and it's crazy because I was catching everybody with that with that swing, that abyss inside single, and then by the time the finals hit. By the time the finals hit, it was uh, you know, something that that something that Kel Sanderson taught me, you know, moving the shoulders, moving the head, and finding those ankles or whatnot. But I kind of added my own flair to it. He does it different. He goes straight on. Like I literally like kind of like moved the head, and then ended up cupping, like uh, ended up cupping like uh, or I'm sorry, hooking ankle picking that outside arm. And then eventually, like driving it through through a little through a high crotch. When did you learn that from Kale? Uh, I I went. I spent some, I, and I only spent like five days with Kale. Oh yeah, because Kale wanted me to. Uh, he really liked me, man. He really. This was like he really wanted me to go to Iowa State. You know, he really wanted to like kind of you know what I mean because he knew he. I almost felt like like Kale knew that I was special in that sense, and I don't know. I felt I felt that from Kale. You know what I mean? Like, no, no, like, you know, I can like everybody, but you're the one that I really want, you know? Mm -hmm. And when he, you know, again, got out there, he just kind of showed me a whole different, like, dimension with, with like, hand fighting. Or not, not hand fighting, but kind of finding ways of picking with your hands. And then I started doing it. I brought it back to the to Carlos to to the training center, and I started kind of showing my brother, "Hey, man, this is what's going." I remember wrestling one time with uh, with Kendall Cross, and I was doing a lot of stuff that he was kind of teaching. Oh, I, I remember I put a I put a spanking on Kendall one practice, and uh, I knew that it was there. So I literally had like about so this was like in February. So by the time so by the time uh, August came, that was maybe about seven months. That had already kind of started working and developing this other stuff, so I'm proud of myself for that match because I knew that I had to make those adjustments. I knew that the finals had to. I knew that the final had to be different. My stance was higher. I became a little more technical. I wasn't as, as, as you know, as going out there and literally like brawling. I guess you want to call it, or creating new wrestlings. I just knew that if I can keep my composure and attack this guy with things that he hasn't seen with me throughout the whole tournament, that I could beat him. What'd you hit him with in the second? Yeah, in the second, it was that. We could pull it up. Watch it. I want to I show you how technical this thing is. It's funny because watching you, I was like, man, that's such a crazy way to hit a high, to hit a low single, but it's really, now that you're explaining it. And, I had, and I, I had never hit the technique. I had never hit the technique until, uh, until, until the Olympic finals. What? Yeah. I had never hit the technique uh, in competition until the Olympic finals. You see? It's the second period here. Come Watch. Look how I move the head, snap it. Boom. 
I moved ahead. Oops. I moved ahead with the right to so cup it with the left. And then I swing it back in with this. So look, move the head, cup it. Boom, to the high crotch. Fucking beautiful. Yeah. God. It's cool how you don't finish it as an ankle pick, though. You go to a high seat. You know, well, I ended up, yeah, I ended up, because I felt his hip because the way he defended me. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, because he, he was already high. I was like, I'm not going to go low. If he's high, like, take that. Let me take him high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man. Three points. I remember, Ke- I remember Kevin Jackson uh, literally on his feet. Literally on his feet, like jumping up and down. I'm like, oh. And, uh, and, that was, and that was it. I think, uh, man, Tomohiro felt so strong in that match. He felt super, super strong. When he, when he got to my, when, uh, I was when uh, I would get to his legs. I was shooting. I could just feel the strength, his hips, his whole body. Like I just felt it, like to the point that I knew that I, my hips couldn't come up because my hips were to come up, he was gonna take me. So there was like a certain thing of me like grabbing his leg, but then putting my hips on a on the mat. Where you felt a little wobbly, a little off balance, but it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, or when he got to my legs and all the fans like, dude, this dude is like, ooh, probably one of the strongest dudes I've I've ever gone gone up against. But I was just firing at all cylinders that day. Well, before that match, I heard you say that after your semis, you beat Sadamov. You're walking off the mat. Pasek loses, and you see the USA officials cheering, and it pissed you off. Um, yeah, actually, it was actually KJ. KJ. <laughs> I had just been said them all they were watching uh, music and he lost they're like yeah um I don't know I don't know I I don't know how I feel like that uh cuz man a basic did get beat up like he didn't just lose by one like no he lost the first period fair and square and the second period he was already losing and he got headlocked mm-hmm. you see what I'm saying I'm just like no now I got to go through this dude that nobody knows you know what I'm saying? Like, because they've seen Kudukov beat me three in a row already. You know, I wrestled this dude. Uh, I was four and one with this guy. You know, but I always knew that I had that win against him. And I think, uh, you know, and, and oh wait, even if Kudukov would have made the uh, made the finals, he wasn't gonna beat me. And dude, Matsunaga or Matsunaga, he beat um, who's the dude? Uh, we did, we just said his name earlier, Amansarov. He beat him on the way. So for the Japanese dude to make the finals, he had to beat a two-time world champ, Monsarov. Yeah. Then he beats Basik, yeah. four-time world champ. Yeah. <laughs> what a bracket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was nuts. That was nuts. I wonder, I'm curious to see the bracket now. Man, if I, I'm curious to see how the bracket kind of ended up. Like, where'd Moreno end up? Like, that dude was tough. The Cuban. Yeah, Andy Moreno? Yeah. He I, think he, I think he defected, dude. Oh, shit. Or he didn't make the team. I think he defected. Okay. Or I think he, I don't think he could have made twenty five, uh, twenty one no more. Mm-hmm. I don't think he could. But I I had a win. I had a I had he, he never beat me. I wrestled him a lot. Mm-hmm. He uh, Andy Andy never beat me. Um. So yeah. So before we wrap up, man, we're so close to being done. I got to go back to um, May of '07. Uh huh. And I know it's a it's a tough thing, but it's a I think it's a really interesting piece that. You're on this high. You're 
win the U.S. Open for the second time, you're getting ready for the World Trials, and you find out your father's passed. Yeah. And you had planned on going to see him prior. Yeah. What happened there? Yeah. Um, and it's crazy because I think Terry and, uh, and Kevin kind of knew. I was like, hey, I'm going to go see my dad. Like, I want to win the U.S. Open. This was in April. Won the U.S. Open, and I want to go to Mexico City. So use my earnings to go see him. So I, I'm curious to see what this guy was, you know, who this guy was. You know, who's the guy that has my, you know, my gene, my blood. You know, hear him speak. How, do, how, how is he? When was the last time you saw him? Uh, last time I saw him, I was, I think, five. Four and a half, five. What was happening then when you saw him last? Uh, no, no, it was just, we ended up just leaving. We ended up leaving South Central LA to, uh, to pretty much get away from him. He was, he was, he was a, he was a druggie, man. He was too much of a drug addict. You know, he would drink my mom's perfumes, like, to that point. Yeah. So he died, but in 07, he died because of heart failure. But yeah, man, it was, uh, it sucked, man. You, you never think you cry for somebody that you really don't know. You know, I got memories of my dad, but I really didn't know him. But I remember that stuff just hitting, hitting hard, hitting, hitting home because just like man, I've I've always had that curiosity of getting a chance to meet him one day, and that curiosity, uh, yeah, it just sometimes that, that. But that's life, man. Like you don't you don't always get what you think you're gonna. Some some sometimes I I always knew that he was gonna die. But I always thought that I would, and, and me not knowing his health or anything like that, he, he could have been good for, for whatever reason. But I didn't know it was going to be to that extent. You know what I'm saying? Like, so. Why did you not end up taking that trip? My family convinced me to not go. My brother, my brother, my older brother, my sister, like, where are you going to go down there? He's probably going to try to kidnap you. Like, you know, <laughs> like that. And uh, they just convinced me not to, you know. I respect my brothers and sisters. But. You know, sometimes I think I feel like things do happen for a reason. And uh, I don't know what the reasoning that is, but it's probably for the better. So where were you when you found out? I was in Carlos. I was in I was at the Olympic Training Center. And I think after I even found out I went to practice and still trying to practice. But I remember being at practice freaking bawling. I cried. I was crying. And then I started uh, and then I started practicing. I think people saw it. It was different. You know, and then Terry was like, ah, oh. you know, Terry just pulled me out. I was like, nah, let's not trade stud. So then that was it. Did you go to Mexico after that? And then we went to Mexico. They went to his funeral. We went to his funeral, or not his funeral, because uh, this was like, he was already dead, man. They, they, in Mexico, they'll bury you the next day, man. Or if not, that same damn day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you fly down there. What happens then? So then I fly down there, you know, get a chance to meet my uh, my aunt, my grandma, which is cool. She just recently too passed away. My mom's my my dad's mom. She passed away about a few months ago. Sorry to hear that. And uh, my uh, yeah, I had a chance to see my my aunt, and it's just a bunch of things. It was just cool to go to go to that side of the the world, and you know, get get a chance to see your your ancestry. But going going to his little grave site, I mean, there's no grass. Was, you know, I mean, like freaking dirt. You wouldn't even know that there's a, a. I don't even know if I had a tombstone. It's been so long, but I just remember it was just a, uh, you know, just dirt. He would just walk on it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And 
I mean, that was it. My sister started crying. But I think I think after that, I just cried that one time. I don't cry that often. I don't. It's rare to see me cry. My sister that I'm crying. I just cried that one time, and that was that was it. That was done. That's just the reality of life. You know, it's just uh, so fortunate. But you know, did you carry it with you for a while after that? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think I did. I think I just you know, just buried it, dude. Just like you know. I can't allow this stuff to to take over me. Yeah. He, he wasn't the nicest guy either. Is the yeah. is the story in the book about the Christmas present thing? Is that real? Yeah. What yeah. happened? Yeah, and uh, we were just kids, but my dad, uh, my dad had a really crazy like drug addiction, and it was crazy because he was uh, he was when when he would go to prison, he would that's when he would get cleaned up, and he he knew he knew he was a real uh he was a he knew the word, man. He knew the Bible, like, you know, from the fr- from front to back. Like, he can probably read scripture backwards. Super good. Because people from prison would come over to the house sometimes. And they'd be like, hey, yeah, it's Pastor Cejudo here. <laughs> yeah, he saved my life. He's like, man, Pastor Cejudo's out in the alley getting high, dude. Like, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, stole, uh, I think it was, not not just that, but he stole the Christmas presents. This is all, we're all so, so young to even understand or know, you know what I'm saying? And uh, he also stole the carpet, too, from our house, from our own house. Yeah, so he stole the Christmas presents and the carpet he took with him. You know, we had got, like, new carpet. which maybe, like, the apartment that we had in, maybe it was about the size of this damn house. Yeah, there was a bunch of us, you know, like literally like this, this would be our whole house right here, like this room. And uh, he ended up stealing the carpet for drug money. Yeah, a lot of the toys that he had bought me, he won like a lawsuit one time and really had like, had like a Mercedes car. Uh, I think we still have pictures of it too. Um, he had this, this Mercedes car and that was nice when he won the lawsuit, he ended up buying it for me. And uh, yeah, he ended up selling that stuff too. <laughs> Your mom probably didn't have a lot anyway to begin with. Uh, no, but my mom, like, but you know, my mom's history, like, she, you know, my mom grew up, uh, my mom lived with families, like, growing up. She, you know, she started working at a very young age. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of things happened to my mom. So to her, she was used to something broken, you know, but she did love her kids. Like, we kind of gave that void that my mom was missing as a little kid. You know, for us, but we also took a lot of that baggage that she kind of came with. How'd she cross into the U.S.? Uh, uh, she yeah, so she crossed over. Yeah, so she came out here I- illegally. Like the first time she tried to come, you know, this is back. We're talking back in the seventies, man, late seventies. You know, literally, and it's, you know, like like dressed up like in a, you know, high heels and a dress, and I think they got caught the first time, or they couldn't do it. And then ended up, I want to say they crossed just through the, you know, because there wasn't like a, a wall at that time. So her and her cousins ended up coming over to the U.S., you know, and yeah. So well, that's that's kind of how it started. What but, kind of jobs was she working when she came over? Um, Man, she, my mom did everything, dude. Like it didn't come to a point where my mom was kind of naive, to me, she was like 16, 16 years old at that time. I remember it was either Bloods or Cribs. They had her like rolling joints at one time, at one point. My mom never smoked, nor she ever drank. She just knew that they would pay her X amount of money, you know, to roll up uh, certain certain joints. You know, she was a she was a teenager. 
You know what I'm saying? She wasn't, uh, she didn't have papers at the time, nothing. You know what I mean? And this was, uh, <laughs> yeah. So those were one of her jobs. And my mom, my mom did everything from selling, uh, you know, from selling food, like even us growing up. And, uh, and this is why I admire my mom so much that, uh, even growing up in apartments, like for us to go to wrestling tournaments, like my mom would sell, sell food, uh, you know, go, going out door to door, say, like, hey, I'm starting a restaurant selling food, like literally, you know, so even our, even our house at one time kind of, even there was a bunch of us, like two bedroom apartment with nine of us, you know what I mean? And turning that thing into a, huh. yeah, when people, when people talk about poor, like people have no idea what it truly like to be poor of literally going, going to, going to bed with, with the freaking screaming stomach. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, I was a kid that, when I went to school, I was heading to breakfast first thing. Because I knew that that was, that was it. Lunch. I, gotta, I always have to have lunch. I always have to have breakfast before I get home. Because I know, I know what could, I know what could happen. If I don't eat, man, I don't eat. I'm going to be, I'm going to be starving the whole day. You know? So when people talk about, like, the ghetto and, you know, gangs and violence, like, man, <sighs> People, people don't really understand true poverty, like, you know, and I think that's. But I also feel like that's partially what's, that's partially what made me or what made us, as a family. How did she end up getting her her green card? Yeah, so in eighty seven or eighty six, the amnesty. So by, by that time, my mom already had my mom. My mom's my mom was Catholic. Then she uh, well, she's Christian now, but I don't know, man. She didn't believe in birth control, man. So you had. So by the time eighty seven, I think it was a uh, Ronald Reagan the amnesty. She was uh, she got amnesty in eighty seven or eighty six, and uh, she was able, but she was never a U.S. citizen. She didn't become a U.S. citizen until after I won the Olympics. So how'd she go watch you then? No, she didn't go watch me. So by the time the two thousand eight Olympics came about, that's when uh, that's when my mom my mom couldn't attend the Olympics. You know, due due to her citizenship status, she wasn't a she wasn't a, you know, a U.S. citizen. In other words, she couldn't leave the country. You know, she couldn't leave the country to go watch her kid wrestle. So, to me, to me, it was like no, no, but this is this is this is things that we've always dealt with. You know, it's like hey, you gotta go get the job done, son. You know, yeah, it sucks. It's it's could have been uh was I I I don't want to say it was bittersweet, but it could have been. It was sweet, could have been sweeter, you know. But I also knew, like, what is it that I had to do? How is it that with the, the stuff that she did to uh, to provide for us? What is it that we have to do, and how is it that we have to get it done? And how grateful we are to be Americans and the opportunities that we have. Now you go out there and you take that same attitude that your mom had, and you throw it into something that you throw it into a dream, something that you want to accomplish. So. I won the Olympics, and then after I won the Olympics, I was on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. And I try to keep my family's uh, business kind of kind of secret. It's not until I wrote my book that I kind of it was kind of more of a tell all. So Jay Leno, uh, so I think people knew, but they didn't want to kind of you know. He brought me on the show, you know. I did the show with Jay Leno. I did a bunch of stuff, man. It's, it's it was so cool winning the Olympics, but that was one show where I remember I was on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno and. Uh, 
you know, it was a cool interview. And at the very end, he's like, hey, Henry, if you know, I know your mom could attend the Olympics. And I just said, Joe, hey, you know, Mexicans, you know, with, you know, you know how many kids. Yeah, she had to take care of her grandsons and granddaughters and all that. And she and he's like, hey, if you had a message for your mom, would you know, say right there to the TV. He's like, you know, I remember saying in Spanish, I'm like, ama, I quiero mucho. You know, mom, I love you. You know, this, this medal means, this medal's for you. It's not even for me. You know, I dedicate this to you. And I was in Cali. And I, uh, I called her in China, too. I called her when I won the Olympics, but it wasn't the same. And then next, you know, Jeleno brings her out. And she's literally coming out. And I kind of start tearing up a little bit. And uh, my mom comes out. I ended up putting the gold medal on her. And uh, it was such a, it was a special moment, man, that I'll never forget. Last question is, before you put the medal on your mom, not after you win the Olympics, you put it on Terry. Tell me about just one, being on the award stand and like what you were feeling when you were on that award stand when you finally got the medal. Oh, man, being on that award stand, uh, being on that award stand, it's, it's, it's surreal. I almost didn't believe it. Like, you know, I really didn't believe it. I didn't believe it until like, I didn't believe it until maybe like the next day. Like it was, it was, everything just felt just surreal, man. I think that's the only that I could think of. Like me winning and me winning and bringing that American flag and literally running, like, like that was real. Like that was the emotion that I wanted to feel. That was whatever, everything that I was like searching for. Ah, Cause I remember in 07, I didn't do anything. I remember just, ah, I just wanted to cry, dude. Like it was just this happiness that, uh, that 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 brought a little bit of sadness to it like you know what i'm saying like this was a journey i accomplished it and a lot of what's happened in my life and how everything kind of was spun and how i was able to still do it and win it it was it was it was a relief it was a scream that meant a lot of things and it felt good you know it felt good to scream in front of a lot of people and i'm holding my i'm holding the american flag and i'm i'm running around with it because that's how proud i am you know to be an american and it was special man and it was special in that night did you what did terry say in his speech oh my god yeah uh i think the victories i don't think i don't i don't think i ever put the gold medal on terry okay i don't i don't think he would i don't think he'd like that okay you know what i mean yeah <laughs> Maybe it's that he got a medal and he gave the medal to Doc. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because uh, you know they gave it to they gave, but I can I know why Terry did that. You know Terry did that because he's like no 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 Doc Bennett was a guy that saw the potential in this kid, and Doc Bennett was part of this. You know, and this is what it uh, you know what I mean like and, and Terry like uh, Terry's just very selfless man in that sense. But he said something that night that I'm just like, Jesus, man. You can catch it on floor wrestling. It says, this man was able to do something that I wasn't mad enough to do. And I'm just like, man, I get hearing that from like, it was almost like the passing of the torch. I didn't feel bigger than Terry, but he made me feel bigger than him. Like, you know what I mean? And I'm just like, with the black eye, with everything, with gold medal, I'm just like, holy shit. Like, what just happened? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like, like, what's made Terry Brown's a great coach, too, is the fact that 
It's that chip on his shoulder. You know what I mean? And I don't know if he'll ever leave him. But that's something that I will tell that I will do. He's going to continue to keep producing Olympic champions. And like, what's his philosophy to training? Like, allows him to be so good as a, as a coach. His commitment is passion. You know what I mean? Like, when you know somebody's with you, man, you, you guys are pushing the same car together. It's not just one guy. So you guys are both doing it. And he's, <laughs> and he don't play. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I, I just feel like with me and Terry, it was just like the perfect storm. Uh, you know, had a little bit of Sergey. I was an athlete, pretty, pretty athletic. I do inside trips, low singles, things like that with the fundamentals and the hand fighting and a lot of stuff that he brought. So it was just like, oh, and I was able to grasp everything. You know, the desire, the will, and, you know, that's what made me an Olympic champion. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. If you enjoy this show, we want to hear from you. So leave us a review on Apple Podcast and subscribe to the show. If you want to watch video clips from this interview, go to our YouTube page, Wrestling Changed My Life. And to support the podcast, please buy our merch at store.wrestlingchangemylife.com. We'll see you next time on Wrestling Changed My Life.